And so we have to be willing to make that next step and say, you know, somebody has to, and therefore it might as well be me. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Moira Gorski here, and so glad that you have come back. And coming up on my, well, even by the time this episode airs, it probably will be past the two-year mark that I've been podcasting. So I'm uh, proud of myself for that, but really grateful for those that uh, come back and listen and have supported this podcast. And um, I love the fact that I have been on a few podcasts and I've been invited to be a returning guest. And so I thought I would ask uh, Lucy Forsting to come back um, to be a returning guest of mine. We always have great conversations about all kinds of things. And so, um, Lucy, I'm glad you came back and I'm really looking forward to um, our conversation. I will, in the show notes, I'll, I'll put our other episode in there. Um, but she is, again, a, a wonderful gal that's been helping people. I'll have you give your a couple of minutes uh, bio there, but um, I found you with Synergy Synergy Connection Radio, your podcast, um, your services again of helping people, not just always in the traditional way, but in looking at things a little bit differently. And so we thought today we would talk about beliefs and changing our belief systems, changing our belief patterns, change just changing some things with beliefs because. Again, we develop these beliefs over time, and sometimes they can be really good, and sometimes they can also be detrimental, especially if they're a false belief and things like that. So before we get into that, Lucy, thank you for coming back today to have another discussion. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm, I'm, I enjoyed the last show we did together, and I love having you on my show as well. So yeah, yeah. fun to be here. Yeah. Yep. And um, so, yeah, we were going to talk about beliefs. And um, again, I found it interesting that we were going to have this conversation today as um, I accompanied my daughter to a therapy session of hers today. And we were talking about beliefs. We were talking about, again, those false beliefs or those beliefs that that like happen a lot of like a long time ago, like our mother said something to us, or we spilled the milk on the table. And our dad yelled at us and said, you're always a slob, you're always a slob. And then we take that into our mind that that's what we believe that we're always a slob and we're always a slob. And so, and then if it happens again, we make a mess, we say in our head, well, my dad says I'm always a slob. And not that it's true, right? You happen to like, maybe Maybe your hands, like maybe the glass was big and maybe your hands were small and maybe it was slippery. Like maybe something else happened that caused that milk to spill. It has nothing to do with the fact that that belief or that statement that your father made, right? That you're a slob, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but it, but we take those, right? I mean, a lot of times um, that's what happens. It's like way, I mean, I'm almost 60 years old. But there are things that I heard as a child that 
sometimes I chose to believe, but they really weren't true. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's very, very true. So my background is as a marriage and family therapist. Therapist, yeah. Exactly. Um, so that you have that. And uh, so that was, like I said, 40 years ago. So what I did with individuals and families then is nothing like what I do today. And so you kind of learn by experience as you come out of graduate school and you're following a predictable, let's say, and maybe a particular style of therapy. And then as you do more and more work with your clients, you realize what works and what doesn't work so well. Mm -hmm. And so you begin to fine tune things, but uh, belief systems are rooted, you know, at a very, very early age. So uh, the way I handle the situation when I'm working with somebody is I have them work in increments of 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so if you're 60 years old, you're going to have six blocks of 10. If you're 70, you're going to have seven. If you're only 14, I've got somebody right now that's very young. So she couldn't go very far, but she began to recognize very quickly that she did have some strong beliefs and that she was terrified of failing. Mm. And so her beliefs forced her to do certain things that she regretted doing out of a fear of failing. So let's just say with somebody who's 50, they might work from, um, you know, birth to 10. And I would ask them to, uh, these are assignments, you know, not impromptu thinking necessarily, but um, I would ask them to think about those first 10 years And what were their strong beliefs about who their family was, who they were, what school was all about, what friendship was about, um, mistakes, you know, what, how do you feel about mistakes? How do you feel about success? And so they would look at each little category and write, you know, down their feelings about that or their memories. And then they would go from 11 to 20. And how many of the beliefs from zero to 10 were they pulling through into that next decade? Because we don't leave anything behind unless it's something that we're taught to let go of. Mm -hmm. So they would be bringing along maybe some similar beliefs about, well, my friends were like this. So therefore they're going to be like this in this age group. And that's not necessarily true, especially if you're relocating or going away to college or your family has moved from where you were when you were six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, and now you're in a different location. Certainly schools and teachers are different. You might have experienced an illness or an accident, something of trauma. So again, you have to decide what things have I brought with me from my first 10 years into my second 10 years. And are they serving me? Mm. You know, is this something that is beneficial or are some of them creating conflicts now? Mm-hmm. And as you get maybe ready to uh, get married or be in serious relationships, a lot of those memories of mom and dad or other people that you saw that were in relationships, are those the memories that are beneficial because it was a great relationship? Or maybe you were in a home where there was, alcoholism or drug addiction or a lot of stress and there was a lot of yelling and screaming even though you say I don't want to be like that the reality is that we are like that because that's the learned behavior Mm -hmm. so you have to kind of figure out whoops I don't I don't want to do that how do I keep myself 
from doing that particular behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, we've talked a few times uh, with, I've talked a few times with other guests on this podcast about how those patterns, you know, there's generational patterns mm-hmm. and they tend to repeat themselves. And it's very, it's very eye opening when you can do that type of work that you can look at, like you said, this is how it was growing up in my house. And like, how is it today? Even though, like you said, that's not yelling's not good. I don't want to yell. It's not a good thing, but we become comfortable with that or it feels okay, even though to someone else, it might not feel okay. Because again, that's not what their environment was about. I mean, I remember some of the first uh, marital counseling that my husband and I did. That was, um, she did, I don't know if it was called a genogram or you would probably know. Yeah, Yeah, genogram. (laughs) So we laid out like the family tree, right? On either, on both sides of you know, my husband's side and my side. And that's what we talked about was like the relationships and how was it with, you know, the grandmother and the grandfather, the mother, the father, you know, the cousins or sisters or whatever. And it really, it's very revealing Uh uh to see how there's some good things that followed. right? Right. And there's also some patterns that I saw in my family that um, really stuck out to me. And I ha- didn't really realize it at that point. And what I found fascinating, now I married somebody that was different than the pattern of the men that like my mom, the Evans women were marrying, and even my sisters, it was just it was a very specific dynamic. And, um, but uh, the guys that I dated, fit right into that. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I met my husband, I was like, wow, this is different than my other relationships. And he is, he was, he was different than those men, the way that they showed up in the lives of, you know, my sisters and my mother and my grandmother and, you know, all of that. Um, It was very, uh, it was very, very, very interesting. And again, I think knowledge is power. So when we have that, when we can see that, Mm -hmm. we can learn that, have that knowledge, then we do have, as I spoke with someone yesterday, even though there's these generational patterns and traumas and we wish they didn't happen, like we have the power to sit here today and learn from that and also break those patterns. I think that's what's fascinating and what's very promising and hopeful is that we can, we can learn from that, realize that and say, guess what? I'm go- it's going to stop here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work on continuing to move forward, but not continuing on with that pattern, that belief system about the way that men and women are or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Right, right. I can think of a couple of situations with people I know, where, um, you know, in this particular case, it was um, a male whose father was absent, both emotionally, and physically, um, much of the time. And so as he was growing up, I don't think he had much of a relationship until he was way into his adult years with his dad. And he remembers never having a relationship with his grandfather. His grandfather would come sit and not do anything, you know, with the grandchildren, but just sit and kind of talk to the adults and uh, not even acknowledge that Mm -hmm. they were there. So in, in this particular case, he has made sure that he has a great relationship with his grandchildren, that they know who he is 
and uh, they do things together. And he has an amazing relationship with his two children. So in his case, he said, no, I am not going to be like my grandfather was or my father was. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be involved. And, you know, he's done that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think you either repeat the pattern because it's what you're comfortable with and you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, or you acknowledge that that's a pattern I don't want and you stop it early on and you look for another way to interact. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And sometimes again, you, you can learn that on your own. And sometimes it's good to, you know, hook up with again, a therapist, a counselor, maybe a, a, a group of people that, um, that you gather together with and, and take a look at these things. Sometimes it's good to get some other people's mm-hmm. um, perspectives. I mean, I know we're both in, you know, we both support wellness and we take good care of ourselves and we also promote, you know, we promote that to other people. But I was also having this conversation with somebody that's on my team because I lead a big wellness team and they were, we were both, she was kind of, she's a newer distributor, if you will, a newer trying to just help other people. And she was really frustrated in that. She says, I don't know. They share this with me and this with me and they're frustrated. They want to lose some weight or they're not sleeping or they, and so they share their frustrations, but then they don't make the change. And we were talking about how is it that they're, it's, it's a, perhaps it's a belief system that they don't believe that they can feel better or that they can, you know, lose weight. And I don't like to talk a lot about, you know, losing weight, but like feel, feel better or like change the way that they feel and look in life. Do they have this belief that it's just not going to happen? And so they're, they have a hard time making that decision to move forward and to make a change and, you know, do something different. Sometimes it has to do with a fear of failure Mm -hmm. as much as anything. So we're used to complaining I mean, everybody that I know, at least, complains about something. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish uh, that the government would take action and do such and such, or I wish people would pick up their trash, or I, you know, so they're always looking to make some changes, but you have to be the one that does it. You can't just wish, right? Right. So I think that in many cases, they've grown up around people, male or female, that didn't take action. Mm -hmm. You know, they just complained, but didn't, you know, go and try and seek a remedy or add to a solution. And so we have to be willing to make that next step and say, you know, somebody has to, and therefore it might as well be me. One of my favorite books that I used in family therapy, and I still recommend it um, actually to all ages, but it's, it's a great children's book and it's quite old, is The Little Engine That Could. And so, you know, it's a Christmas story and it's about a, an engine that needed to take the toys, you know, for Santa into the village, but it required going over a very large hill and all of the other engines basically were like, no, they didn't want to be bothered. And, you know, they were tired or this, that, or the other thing. And so the little female engine, you know, said, well, I think I can. And so it's that attitude is that you have to have the attitude that you believe you can contribute at least to the solution. Mm -hmm. And so in her case, you know, she hooked herself up to all of the little train uh, box cars, you know, loaded with toys 
And she started up the mountain saying to herself, I think I can, I think I can. And of course, when she gets to the peak and goes down the other side, it was, I knew I could, I knew I could. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we have to have that as our posture is that if we want to lose weight, if we want to get healthy, if we want a better relationship or a better job or something, we have to start with the positive attitude of, I think I can do this Mm -hmm. and then figure out how, how do I do it? And how do I not listen to that negative voice saying, no, you're not going to succeed? Because when they're looking at losing weight or getting healthy, it requires effort. There's no magic pill. Mm -hmm. They have to be willing to exercise and sleep better and, you know, eat better and do a few things that maybe they're not used to doing. Mm -hmm. And if they're willing to make that commitment, then they can move to the position of, I think I can. And then finally, I knew I could. Right. But they have to be willing to do something. They can't just talk about it. Yeah. And I like that. It's that visualization or that just the thought of like that. I think I can do this. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember that book. Does Because doesn't she, doesn't the little engine, doesn't she see all of the trains going and she wants, she knows that they're going over the mountain and that's where she wants to go. Right. Isn't no. that? No. Yeah. No, that this story doesn't do that. Okay. Um, this one is strictly a matter of Santa saying, I have to get these toys to the children in the valley. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, all of the other engines are in the engine yard mm-hmm. and they're not being used at the moment. And so he's asked each one, the powerful one, the big one, you know, the streamlined one, everything. And he finally comes to her. And of course, she's she's petite. Mm-hmm. She's not a very big engine, but she has the belief that she's strong enough. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's uh, been a long time since I've read that. And I was saying that because I thought it was that visualization of like where she wants to be at, because a lot of times we'll talk with clients about that. Like, okay, so this is where you're at. If you could change one thing, like what would it look like? Or where would you like to get to? And if we can have that visualization or like, like, how does it feel when you are sleeping better during the day? How do you, how do you, how do you feel during the day? Like having those type of talk about that experience of what it's going to be like when they get there when they get over the mountain or when they, you know, feel better, they lose those 10 pounds or how their knees are going to feel or those kind of things. If we can help to visualize, then sometimes that helps them get, not only get started, but keeping them along that path. Well, there's another very old expression about how do you eat an elephant? Mm-hmm. And it's one bite at a time. And I think the other factor with success for most people is breaking it into manageable pieces. Mm-hmm. So if they have an objective and they know that it's going to take them, say, a year to get there, then let's break it back to what do you need to do this week? And what do you want to reach as your goal this month? And, you know, help them move down that path, which is one of the reasons that I give homework when I do therapy is because otherwise you plug in to your therapist once a week, once every other week. And then if you're living that life that has got you to where you currently are that you don't want to be, homework helps you stay focused. You know, it gives you that manageable piece that says, okay, I listened to this video or I read this book or I practice my meditation and I can see these little 
uh, pieces of progress. Mm -hmm. And so eventually I know that I will get there. But if they're only checking in with you, you know, once in a while, then they're real good for that hour or 45 minutes. And then they go right back out to their life. So you have to give them a roadmap. Right. In my mind, at least. Yeah. No, I I believe that it's, it is, it's good. It's a, you learn something, say from your therapist, your counselor, and then you can practice it Mm -hmm. between, you know, that week and the next time you see them. And then, um, you know, again, practice what you're learning to solidify that, you know, solidify that in your mind. I have a family that I've worked with not too long ago and um, her husband had died a few years ago, but the kids could see the difference in their mom. Hmm. And they kept saying, mom, we're so proud of you. You're doing this and this. So she then was getting that positive reinforcement. And then I had her doing homework and then we would talk, you know, once a week, but her children were wonderful, wonderful supporters because they could see the difference. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people can see see the changes before you can see, see them. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had, um, I have a, again, a client of mine and she is on her, you know, get healthy journey and lose some weight. She had been in a couple of accidents and, you know, had put on some excess weight. And so she's making some changes and getting healthier. And her friend just noticed that like, usually when she came home with the groceries, she would ask him for help. Can you come, you know, I'm here, but bring one bag in. And then he would go and help her with the rest. Well, all of a sudden she was bringing the bags in all by herself and, you know, <laughs> and then going for walk, you know, going for longer walks. And he brought it up to her. He said, what's going on with you? Like, you seem to have more energy. You seem to be, you know, something's different. And mm-hmm. um, he was noticing it. And she said, you know, I guess it's true. I, I do. But sometimes those subtle things, even just, again, I carry all the bags in instead of having somebody help me. Mm-hmm. Um, those are little subtle changes, but they can lead. Those are the little things that, you know, continue to happen and happen over time. They lead, lead to change that is sustainable and, um, you know, lead, lead to larger things. But like you said, just one thing at a time, one thing mm-hmm. at a time. Yeah. Right. Right. And so you talk about homework and we talked a little bit about some ways to, you know, change our beliefs. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like some, what is some of the homework that you give people if it's, and we can just talk about some of those modalities that have been shown to really help people, you know, what, what do you give them and why, why do you give that to them? How is it helping them? Well, each case is going to be, you know, different, but I do believe that if we have an attitude of gratitude, it makes a big difference in our lives. And so as long as I know that the individual is willing to uh, think along those lines, um, I have a 21 day YouTube video, basically, and um, you can, you could have it in your phone, which is what a lot of people do because they use their phones for their alarms in the morning. Mm -hmm. I have them do, you know, that 21 days. And I would say the majority of the individuals I know have set their alarm 15 minutes early because the uh, 21 day, it's kind of a combination of meditation and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And at the end of 21 days, they notice a serious difference in the way they're looking at life and the way they're feeling. So they're doing it for those first, first 15 minutes before they get up and just laying in bed and listening. 
and then starting their day as opposed to trying to fit it in to a busy day. Or you could do it at the end of the day, I think, too. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I would say those two options, beginning or end. But um, I start them on something like that, usually by the second week. Uh, I can send it to them as a link, and then they can put it on their phone or however they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would think that meditation, taking moments to to breathe. You know, mm-hmm. most of us don't even realize that we're doing what's called thoracic breathing pretty much throughout the day rather than belly breathing. And it isn't until you move your breath into your belly and like a baby uh, where Mm -hmm. I had children that I would lay on the floor because they didn't know how to do it. They would raise their shoulders like, you know, is this the right way? And I would be like, Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Um, So I would have them lay down on the floor and I would put a heavy book on their stomach. And I would say, now when you breathe, you have to move the book. Mm -hmm. And that way they would know how it felt because you can't really you know, describe something and have them learn it. But if they can feel it physically, then they they would know. Mm-hmm. For an adult, maybe if they can't figure it out, that would be a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, just resting their hands on their stomach mm-hmm. and practicing the deep breathing, you know, so that it does move the belly out and then in. But certainly breath work is important for relaxation mm-hmm. and meditation does calm us down. I often talk about journaling Mm -hmm. because it's you writing to yourself. Right. So what are you feeling on any given day? And if you date them, um, like if somebody has had a spouse die, a child die, journaling is wonderful to really see that you are progressing. So if you date them and then you talk about, you know, today, my feelings were, you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is how, you know, life is at the moment. Then, you know, a couple of months later, they can go back and read those entries and realize, oh, my goodness, I really have come a long ways because then I was thinking this way. Now I'm looking at this. I do resiliency training, you know, because learning to be resilient is something that uh, nobody teaches us. You know, it's a school of uh, hard knocks, so to speak. And we may or may not come out of it resilient. It just depends upon whether you're learning confidence and competencies along the way. So a lot of those kind of homework assignments go into my working with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are good. And um, as you know, I love journaling too. That's why I developed a journal and because I've <laughs> done that so much myself in the last couple of years. And I love that, you know, you're writing to yourself. You can do all kinds of things you know, with that, but just, you know, I say that it's kind of like free therapy for your, you know, yourself because you're writing things down and it can be so revealing. And I love that if there has, if you just follow a prompt, like, you know, today I'm feeling this Mm -hmm. today, I wish for this, you know, even if it's just choosing, if you're not sure what to write, I always tell the listeners and my friends, like, if you're not sure what to write, then start with something like that. Today, I'm grateful for, and list five or 10 things. Today, I'm feeling this way, you know, just starting with some type of prompt. I did some, um, what is it called? Automatic writing technique. Yes, that works quite well, because I remember uh, taking a, actually, it was a seminar, it was an all day seminar with a gal who does, uh, I would say it was close to automatic writing, and she called it writing down your soul. And so it's your soul talking to you. And I would tell people, you know, it's easy 
to do. However, you have to make sure your water, your pencils or pens, your paper, everything is there as you start, because otherwise you'll find a reason to get up. Mm-hmm. And you set a timer for like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And even if there's not one word on the paper at the end of 15 minutes, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you, if you um, are looking for your soul to talk to you, we don't normally do that. So mm-hmm. what happens is we're sitting there and we're thinking, okay, I need to write something. Okay, soul, talk to me. And it's kind of going, yeah, right. Okay, I don't think so. And after maybe two or three days of doing that, then your subconscious goes, oh my goodness, she really does want to know what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And then it starts. And then you can't usually shut it off because it is there. But prior to that, we spend, and you and I've talked about this, we spend 95% of our waking moments intellectualizing, trying to figure out who said it, where did we hear it? What does it mean? You know, Googling, looking Mm -hmm. up all this stuff instead of going into our heart center and our heart is where our intuition is. And we do have 50 million brain cells that are there that help us kind of understand life, but we so seldom go there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's another thing that I try to help people understand is let's check out your intuition. What does your intuition tell you about this? And if they say, I don't have a clue, Well, then let's, you know, begin to give it a voice. Brought to you by Gorski Wellness and the possibility of a better you. Are you feeling sluggish? Ready for a change? Need more energy? Up for a bigger challenge? I'm Moira Gorski, retired nurse and wellness advocate. For over 22 years, I've been helping people live healthier lives while making small changes each and every day. Those small changes lead my clients to living a healthier lifestyle with markedly better health. As a brand ambassador for the Shackley Corporation, the most clinically proven wellness company in the world, I guide my clients to make healthier choices each day with their food, supplements, skincare, workouts, and mindset. They say getting started is half the battle. Let's make healthy happen together. If you're ready for simple, natural, sustainable solutions to feeling and looking your best, let's connect. You'll find a link in the show notes or reach out to me at moiragorski.com. Here's to a better you. I'm a big Audible fan. So, I mean, I love to read books, but sometimes I don't find the time or I'm falling asleep while I'm reading. And so, and I like to go for walks and I'm in the car. So I tend to pull my books up on Audible. And so mm-hmm. I recently uh, listened through uh, Maria Marie Forleo's Everything is Figure Outable. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. It's been, it's a book. It's a fascinating book. It's been around for quite some time. And again, I think it's, I'd heard about it and I was like, oh no, I'm not gonna. And she has Marie TV. And I was like, it just didn't, like, I wasn't drawn to it. And all of a sudden one of my colleagues and friends suggested it. And, um, I started to listen to it and I, I finished it within the week. But what I love, what she does is at the end of every chapter, she has, now, what does she call them? Because I finished it about it, but it's something about intention exercises or something like that. So she has journaling prompts at the end of every chapter. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you know, she gives you those questions to think about if it's about your goals or your wants or your intentions and things like that. And that's, that was at the end, like her last chapter was this automatic writing technique. Uh-huh. And it was, it was your future self writing to yourself, you know, today. 
And, um, you know, and I wish that I wish to tell you, or I wish that you would have known or things like that. That's what it, what it started with. And it was very profound. Same thing. 15 minutes, set the timer. Don't look at the timer and just write until you hear the A little day. Yeah. And I really encourage people to do that. I mean, it does take, like you said, sometimes it's like, what are we supposed to write about? Like, I don't understand, but I think that's when we are so much like trying to figure it out, right? Trying to write the right thing. Exactly. But this encourages you to write what comes to your mind. And if it, if you need to do some of that meditation beforehand to just slow your mind down, kind of Mm -hmm. open it up. um, Cause then I think you're more um, in tune to listening, if you will, after some, you know, meditation like that. Yeah. The other aspect of that type of writing is not to be concerned if it's really a sentence with dangling participles or punctuation or spelling. You know, it's not like it's going to be graded. It's just Mm -hmm. and just keep writing until it it goes. The dinger goes off Mm -hmm. and and then maybe go back and read what you wrote, because sometimes you will be writing so fast the words are coming through and you're not even thinking about what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So then go back and read it afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great, great exercise. Another thing that you and I talked about before we started recording was a method that is referred to as emotional freedom technique. Most people know it as tapping Mm -hmm. and you have meridians in your body, um, on your face, your forehead, uh, you know, beside under your nose, your chin, uh, the collarbone area. And so you can formulate a particular phrase that is meaningful to you, but you start them all with, even though I thought, And then whatever it is that's causing stress, even though I thought I couldn't get well, even though I thought I could never lose weight, even though I thought, um, you know, I wouldn't find the kind of uh, relationship that I'm looking for. You know, I now know that. Mm -hmm. And so I help them formulate whatever it is that they are trying to reach Mm -hmm. and then have them do tapping. And sometimes it's anxiety driven. Uh, you know, because there is, you know, these huge fears that we have. So if you identify the fear, then you can put that into your message. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I thought I was a total slob and always spilling my milk or coffee or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, I now realize that that was a belief that I had, and that isn't true. Mm -hmm. So you kind of keep it short and simple Mm -hmm. and do your tapping that way, but it disrupts the meridians when they're tapped they don't have the same ability to send the negative message anymore because mm-hmm. you're replacing it with something that's positive. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a, that's a powerful method. Um, we had a gentleman, we've had a few people talk about that, but a gentleman in particular, um, Eric spoke about that and, you know, EFT was something that really helped him because he started to have panic attacks at work for whatever reason. And, you know, like debilitating and he ended up, he couldn't go into work and happened to find somebody who uh, was able to help him through with that and uh, really changed his life. And to the point that now he's building his practice of the EFT to help people as well. Again, that's what's so I think exciting about people may not find it exciting, but exciting when you think about like, we have these stuck beliefs, but there are ways to change it. And sometimes it's in 
the things that we're saying, right? You can meet with a counselor and we can say it or we can meditate or we can write, but there's these also these really cool scientific things like EFT. We mentioned EM before we recorded EMDR, uh, which this therapist that our daughter's getting to know does EMDR. And I've heard about that. And it's, again, I'm not the trained specialist. I think you explained it better than I did, but again, it's bringing up those beliefs and then with the rapid eye movement type of behaviors, trying to change those patterns in the brain. Making new ones. Yeah, new pathways. Right. So the old ones are going to be less functional and the new ones, as you do it uh, over and over again, you know, will become the the avenues of choice that mm. the brain will go down. So instead of thinking the old way, which was maybe debilitating, you will now be able to move it into a healthier pattern. And then that works. Mm -hmm. So I know the book that I wrote, in fact, I didn't tell you this, but um, last Saturday, just a couple of days ago, um, I was up at Marjorie Rawlings State Park, which Marjorie Rawlings wrote the Pulitzer Prize, The Yearling. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Yearling was made into a movie and she wrote a book called Cross Creek and that was made into a movie. But back in the 20s, late 20s, early 30s, she found this property up near Gainesville, Florida. Hmm. And it was a it still is um, an Orange Grove homestead, if you will. But hmm. when she found it, it was in deplorable condition. And so she was a socialite and had gone from New York, you know, into the boonies in Florida and it it's her life there. So anyway, it's a state park. And two years ago, uh, when COVID hit everybody, you know, they closed everything down and I was supposed to be there two years ago, signing mm -hmm. my, my book. So I got to go this past Saturday and the book is about three mice that represent love, truth, and wisdom. And so they, they speak, they can talk to humans and communicate. And what they're teaching is our thoughts create our reality. So everything I've done my entire career has been about change your thoughts, change your life, but you have to change your thoughts. Right. So the fact that these are speaking mice, I am sitting on this porch in a rocker and the chairs have all been you know, put outside. And so all the people that are listening are in the chairs and I'm not paying any attention. And evidently to my right, uh, in come about 20 chickens because the chickens can, are their free range. So they can go wherever they want to go. But they all came in like on cue as I got ready to tell the story from the mice's point of view. And so these little mice that are talking, now these chickens are coming in. And it was the funniest thing in the world. Everybody was just laughing because how do you do that? I mean, it was like on cue, in come the chickens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So funny. Yeah, well, we'll make sure we... Um... Uh, put a link to that that book too. I think that that's um, that's awesome that you took again part of your life's work and put it into a children's book, um, and um, helps the kids understand it, and I'm sure helps the adults understand. You know, leading with love, and you know, like you said, yeah. if you can change change the truth or what did uh, there's some book that calls you know when do the lies become the law? Right? You know, mm -hmm. we have these lies that we've heard for so long, but we made it the law. Like, right. You know, let's, and, you know, one last thing that I wanted to mention too, that I believe I've had the experience with, uh, with our daughter and her treatment, which has been helping and I've, uh, helping with changing beliefs is, um, using ketamine. I don't know if you've heard of that with, um, certain treatment. I mean, it's a, 
hallucinogen. It can be used as a recreational drug, if you will, but in controlled environments and in controlled amounts and through, you know, with therapists, ketamine can be used to really change uh, rigid thinking. And um, the way that uh, um, the way that the therapist really explained it to me when she was starting to, you know, do this type of therapy is like, if you, and I know people can't see us because, but we can see each other, you know, I, so you put these two hands up next to each other and they're kind of rigid like this, but mm-hmm. then you get some ketamine, you know, infused or however they take it. I think they do a nose spray or something, but then all of a sudden you're kind of like, Oh, like, look at my hand and, Oh, I'm looking here. And you're kind of looking at things differently. Right. And during, during that session, if you will, there's a lot of, um, like motivational interviewing, like, and saying, like talking about those beliefs or those thoughts, like, okay, well, I can't, I mean, I couldn't go out to dinner, for instance, if we're talking about eating disorders, you know, or I can't go out to dinner with my girlfriends because I'm so afraid. And like, but then they start to, well, what would it look like if you were able to go there? What if you, what would it look like? What type of restaurant would you go to? What would you order? Why don't we look at a menu? And so it's like, you start to have these like thoughts about, and because of ketamine and the way that it works, it's just kind of opening up those thoughts. And, you know, as my daughter and the therapist would say, kind of like, opens the floodgates and there's lots of emotions and lots of thoughts, but during that time, again, you start to imagine what that future would look like, you know, or something different than that belief. And so then again, you come down from the high of ketamine, but your brain still remembers that somehow. There is a wonderful documentary. I think National Geographic might've done it, but the name of it is Fantastic Fungi. Hmm. And it's all about uh, mushrooms Mm -hmm. and not just the hallucinogenic ones, but uh, identifying mushrooms that are edible and understanding, you know, that we are in some ways very similar to mushrooms with our root system Mm. that we have. I'm not going to give it away because it is totally the most amazing little documentary. It's an hour and a half long, Mm. but they do talk about microdosing. Right. And the microdosing of hallucinogenic kinds of um, whether it's a mushroom or whether it's marijuana or something else, you don't have to get high to the degree that it becomes a recreational drug. It is simply done in a microdose to help you manage anxiety or help you uh, change that belief system. Mm -hmm. So a lot of therapies now, which I'm very thankful for, because I never wanted to put people on medication, Mm -hmm. unless I absolutely had to say this is your only choice. We do everything else first. Now, you can kind of look and say, hey, how about microdosing, um, you know, this particular drug? Mm -hmm. And, and it's more of a natural product, um, CBD and CBDA, even as tinctures with very little THC in them do amazing things for people Mm -hmm. and taken subliminally, um, you know, under the tongue or sublingually under the tongue, it actually is a fast delivery system for sleep for anxiety. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much that's now out there that wasn't out there even 10 years ago. It's more and more and more available. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's fascinating. I was kind of, I'm always one of those that's kind of against some of that, again, the big, the big drugs and stuff like that, but I've really, I've opened myself up to it and I've learned about it. And again, it can, it can be so helpful 
so many pharmaceuticals for every drug that they prescribe, it may have five to 10 side effects that you don't want. Right. And with these, there just isn't. There isn't. And again, should be um, administered and, you know, mm-hmm. with a health, you know, somebody that's, that's trained and all of that, but you know, as we wrap up this time, I, I hope that people can see that, yeah, we all have, we develop these belief systems, these patterns and things like that. But there's all kinds of things that we can, we can choose, pick and choose from that can help us change those beliefs so that we can really go on and live meaningful, meaningful lives. Right, right. Instead yeah. of the quiet desperation that many people live. Mm-hmm. Right. And some people I think choose to, you know, stay there in that. They do. They do because they get their needs met and they've learned to do that over a long period of time. So somehow, somehow they found a way that it serves them, but I'm always, I always love to have conversations with you and I really appreciate you sharing today and your, your expertise and your stories and things like that. Of course, let us know where people can find you. I always put that in the show notes if people wanted to connect with you. Well, I think that they would find, because you're on my shows a couple of mm-hmm. times, so I think they would find the podcast interesting. Uh, so maybe make sure it's uh, Synergy Connection mm-hmm. and it is on um, Apple, it's on Google, it's on Spotify and what's the other one? iHeartRadio. Mm-hmm. So there's links to the major platforms that you would be able to go and listen to. There's 250 shows, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can go and listen to different people. There's a synopsis of each show. So it will tell them a little bit about what the show is about. And then they can decide if they want to, you know, listen to it. They can find me um, easily enough uh, just by using my name. I, I'm amazed that when I type my name in, everything that comes up, it's scary. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you on that too, right? Yeah, it's, it's just scary. Um, but uh, the book uh, you can go there to www.missmisstwigstwiggs.com and it'll take you right into the website and you can click there and go to Amazon and order it. it I made it super easy mm-hmm. for people to find. You can read parts of it. Uh, you can do a Kindle version or you can order a copy of it. Uh, but it's all there. And if people want to seek me out to do, you know, personal therapy, um, just um, use my email address, probably uh, lucy.forsting at gmail.com. And I would be more than happy to, you know, work with people because I do it through Zoom anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very easy. People don't have to leave their homes, which, uh, you know, I think a lot of cancellations of appointments in years gone by, was just because you would get home and you would go, oh, I just don't want to get back in the car again, right. or a headache or whatever. So now we can do it by Zoom or by phone. If people want to go for a walk while we're talking, they just put their AirPods in and off they go. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, um, again, I think this pandemic has taught us a lot of good ways to do things a little bit differently. And I think some of those things are definitely sticking. I mean, I've had I've done some cool interviews with people that are now digital nomads, if you will. And um, one gal in particular who now she lives in a van and it's not like living in a van. I mean, she has quite a fun life. I mean, she's an interior designer. She buys up properties and rehabs them. She does quite a bit of cool stuff um, on Instagram about living the van life. I mean, it's but she was an attorney. She was a lawyer and it just wasn't serving her. Yeah. She's like, I don't, I just can't do this anymore. And she found this and she's happy and you can, you can travel all around 
and um, live your best life there. So thanks for joining me today, Lucy. It's always a pleasure. Always great to, to talk about different things. And I love this topic, you know, just of, again, how did you say that change your beliefs and you can change your life or change your change thoughts your and you can, yep. you change your life. So I encourage people to, to try some of these things that we shared today, share the, share the podcast with others, come back and listen and um, make it a great, make it a great life. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review, share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know, as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.